It's all killer, no filler, the D2C podcast, and I'm Eric Dick. Today, you're in for a treat. As you may know, a few weeks back, we hosted 50 D2C brand owners and executives at C-Suite Mastermind in Victoria, BC for two and a half days. On day three, we put together a high-level technical seminar from the paid social Google and Amazon ads teams at Pilot House, our sister digital agency. Uh, we're hard at work on the full replay of all these talks and events, which you can actually pre-order now on the link in the show notes, but we wanted to get you an advanced edit of Pilot House's talk on the state of paid socials heading into Q4 2022. This short but power-packed chat features Pilot House CEO Dave Steele and Head of Socials Nate diving into key traffic, creative, and performance trends on Meta and TikTok. You'll learn why the elevated click-through rate in 2022 that we've been witnessing isn't likely a good sign. You'll learn why scrappy, low-lift creative is still the king of performance and how to get out of your own way to make it, as well as the secret of third-party brands that has some clients we work with spending 60% of their budget through. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. Top of funnel content prospecting needs to be about getting out there and being a marketer, persuading people to take action. We get it, but we build teams and we create cultures within those teams that there needs to be alignment to that mission. And what unfortunately happens with this conversation around brand is we start training teams to think differently. Instead of saying, what can I do to just sell the shit out of this product, which is what I love. That's what our team does. I see this when we get clients who are essentially retraining that thought process to follow process. What can I do to get my creative approved by the brand team? If that becomes their objective, you've lost the game. Wrong size, wrong color, didn't look right in the living room? There are hundreds of reasons your customers return products, but returns don't have to be goodbyes. They can be an opportunity to complete the shopping experience. Built exclusively for Shopify, Loop lets you create a delightful return experience to attract and retain more customers. By making it easy for your customers to find products they love, they'll come back again and again. See why thousands of Shopify brands like Allbirds, Chubbies, and Brooklinen trust Loop as their return partner at loopreturns.com slash DTC. First off, we kind of just wanted to outline what we're seeing. We've got access into 170 plus accounts, and so we're able to see with a high amount of spend what the changes are on platform this year versus last. Overall, there's a couple of things I want to outline right off the bat. One is that we're seeing around a 15% increase in CPMs if we look at just our top four geos, so US, Canada, UK, Australia. But the actual cost of sending a person to the site, that cost per click has only increased by around 4%. And basically what that means is there's a bit of discrepancy there, and it's because we're also seeing around a 10.4% increase in click-through rate year over year. Um, and while you might think that's probably a good thing, we, we've been trying to dive into it and it's probably actually a bad thing that click-through rate has gone up by around 10% because there's really only a couple reasons that click-through rate goes up. One is by hitting a really high intent audience. So hitting people that are actually driven to your product and want to purchase. And those people are going to be more likely to click through and more likely to buy. But then the second way click-through rate goes up is by hitting a lower quality audience. So it's basically the opposite end of the spectrum. So if you run a traffic campaign, for example, you're going to see like 5% click-through rates versus your 1.5% on a conversion optimized campaign. And so what's likely happening due to data loss from iOS 14.5 is that there's traffic audiences infiltrating purchase audiences. 
And so click-through rate is going up, but overall, I'm, I'm assuming most people would agree that conversion rates have actually gone down from the traffic from Facebook this year. So I wanted to kind of unpack that. And then at the macro level, basically, we've kind of broken it down into four pieces that are impacting increased CPAs on platform, decreased conversion rates. Um, so the first piece is higher ad costs. So obviously, CPMs are up 15% year over year, so that's direct hit. Like I said, only 4% increase in cost per click, but it varies quite a bit by brand. Second is reduced tracking. Uh, we're seeing anywhere from like 10 to 50% reduced tracking on platform. Um, so some brands are hit a lot harder. Some brands, usually the ones with lower, lower AOV, are, are hit a little bit less hard. Third piece is less qualified users. So this is due to kind of the, the previous two points, especially reduced tracking. If, if Facebook's getting less data, they're going to be less able to, to send you the quality audiences. They're going to hit more of those traffic audiences. And so you're going to get less qualified users to the site. And then the fourth, and I think this one is just because of the, the nature of the past two years. We've obviously seen a huge e-com boom. There's been government spending, all that kind of stuff. So obviously there was a ton of purchase intent. Now there's been a little bit of a macro shift, recession fears, that kind of thing, which is just reducing overall purchase intent. So those four things basically, I, we think, are the kind of the four buckets that you can put things in for increased CPAs and decreased conversion mm -hmm. rates on site right now. Cool. Let's forward, John. We can, we can cycle back with, with regards to the data on this. Winning trends. As always, at Pilot House, we're a performance marketing agency, so we, we kind of came up in the, in the game with scrappy, performance-oriented content, right? And to this day, it's still across most accounts, and there's, there's always exceptions to every rule, but if, if we're going to talk generalizations, scrappy, performance-oriented, creative is the one thing all of our teams, when we asked them, hey, what would you, you know, if you had a room of people, what advice would you give them? This is it, right? Pattern interruption, curiosity provoking. What I learned over these past two days is that there's a lot of different perspectives on brand, right? Branded content versus performance content, when to use it, at what size business you should use it. And I think everyone's right. I don't think there's a right or a wrong, but all you can ask yourself is if you're running ads right now and your performance isn't as good as it needs to be, this is the lever, right? Just invest in this, invest in content, and take your ego out of it. That's probably one of the biggest things. Get the cell phone out. You don't have to overcomplicate it by hiring studios and production teams and go find the perfect creative agency for you. That's what's slowing you down, right? Find someone. I mean, this room's full of doers, right? We gotta, we gotta just lean into that and find more people like that who are gonna follow, uh, follow suit. Specifically, reaction style. I think, uh, Eric, you might have said reveals, the re reaction and reveals right now is really, really hot. We've got some brands that it's just the absolute unlock. We've got, got some, uh, a creative example there coming up. I feel like one thing on this like more scrappy content as well is that we've definitely seen a theme of like entertaining content doing really well. Just think of how much time people are spending on things like TikTok, scrolling through reels, et cetera, and it's just for entertainment. And so if you can kind of match that and actually create an ad that, that doesn't stand out as an ad and is more so actually entertaining, so thinking about what your user is actually looking at when they're on those platforms, and then creating content that, that matches that. We've seen that do really well. We'll pick the opposite end of this in the losing trend, so let's move on. Click data optimization. Nate, you want to talk us through that? Yeah, so this is obviously it has to do with actually testing your seven-day click or your one-day click optimization on platform. But a little bit further than that, what I, what I more mean by this is actually optimizing your campaigns to the data that you're getting through clicks rather than just view. I think a lot of brands that we talk to are still looking at just Facebook. And then if you actually dive into the numbers, it's like 60% of their data is click and then the other 40% is view. And they're using that data to optimize every day on platform. 
And I think there's a lot of mistakes with that. So what, what we like to do is dive into specifically the click data that we're seeing in campaigns, test seven day click, test one day click, optimization on platform, use things like GA to look at your single session click data and that's how we're optimizing our campaigns on the day to day. And then if you wanna look at the macro and look at longer term trends, then you can look at your click and view data on, on platform. So really leaning into what you're actually getting through clicks rather than view attribution, because I think there's been a lot more of it over the past year. Okay, must be said, product and offer, right? You just can't replace a good product and a strong offer, right? Brands that are crushing and doing really well, they got good products. There's no sugarcoating that. We've got brands who have pretty saturated products, right? Oh, it's, it's another sunscreen company, you know what I mean? And unless they're able and willing to deploy a lot of these creative performance marketing strategies we've, we've talked about over the past couple of days, bundling, upsells, all these, these little 5%, 1%, 3% incremental gains, they're never gonna get the economics to work on that. And especially with our costs up on Meta, it's just not gonna happen. You know, interesting story, we've got a brand who basically isn't willing to run performance creative, struggling, blaming Meta, they're hemorrhaging cash, our advice, probably should shut down your business. Or, for, for the next three months, we'll run for free, but we do it our way, right? We're gonna, we're gonna get in there, we're gonna make real performance creative, we're gonna, we're gonna bundle, we're gonna upsell, we're gonna do it all, and we may, in these three months, reinvent your business. And what's more important to you, having a business that didn't quite align to your, your vision of what you wanted your brand to be, or a business that's alive? I, I think the key to there is, is focusing on the wrong thing at the wrong stage in the business as well. Like when, when you're a relatively early stage business, you just can't be focusing on making your brand look good in paid ads on, on Facebook. Really good point. T timeline's everything, that's where it's, some things could be right early stage but wrong late stage, vice versa. Next slide, I'll just stay seated here while, while I put one up. Cross-pollination of creative styles, so TikTok styles on Meta, be real is this new thing that's got this, you know, this format with the video, uh, the selfie front camera looking at you, front camera looking forward, right? So just integrating that into your content on Meta just seems to be an uprise right now. Yeah. Um, obviously, the content itself has to be a good angle, but just that little bit of novelty, I think, is just giving you know, a little bit of an edge. It's just trendy right now, yeah. Also, you know, tick, tick to bringing TikTok styles into... Uh, Meta, so I've got an example here. Someone posted into the Creative Ideas Slack channel, hey, new trend alert on, on TikTok. Whenever you see one of these new trends or someone on your team sees it, shoot it over to your creative team. Many of you probably have a creative team that's you know able to just take a bunch of graphics, cut them out, put them into a, a, a video format like that. Um, those are the kind of dream ones, right? Because the minute you see it within a day or two, we've got that, we've got that creative built out because it doesn't take any shooting or anything. Uh, there's no creator involved. iOS 14.5, the infamous Apple update left D2C brands struggling to find and market to the right audiences. That's why hundreds of D2C brands are turning to Black Crow AI to boost their holiday marketing. Their plug-and-play machine learning technology measures in real time every visitor's likelihood to buy. You can then use these predictions to build predictive audiences for retargeting and prospecting. In short, Black Crow AI can significantly boost ROAS by helping you specifically target people who will actually want to buy from you. Find out why brands like Magic Spoon, Barabee, and Liquid IV are using Black Crow AI to supercharge their holiday marketing efforts. Visit blackcrow.ai/dtc to request a 30-day free trial.
Cool, so that ties into creative velocity. It's always been and it still is that our highest performing accounts deploy a remarkable amount of new creative constantly. So 10 to 20, what we call contrast tests, which are net new angles, net new creative angles. Someone had an idea, hey, let's go deploy that, 10 to 20 a week. And of those contrast tests, we would then have multiple variations of each to try and nail down on the um, smaller bits. Yeah, so it, it turns out being like 50, 60 plus new individual ads every week going live, like variations of ads. Yeah. I know there's a lot, this is, this is a deep topic because how you go about testing those higher volumes needs to be taken into account. Maybe Nate, you could talk about that. The actual media buying behind creative tests is a big part of whether the creative test is successful or not. So someone would say, okay, cool, you know, 10 to 20 uh, new ads with multiple variations. How do you go about launching that? I would recommend if you're at low spend, um, like if you, need to, if you need to test a lot of creative at low spend, let's say $500 a day or less, I would build what we call a pilot test, which is basically where we're taking ad set budgets, we're segmenting, um, we'll, we'll put like 20, 30 ad sets in a campaign, low budgets on each, you know, 10 bucks a day, conversion optimized, we're really looking for front end metrics. Ideally there's some conversions, but we're really looking for what's working with the audiences. In each of those ad sets, we'll, we'll keep all audiences the same across the ad sets. Usually it's a top performer, um, so like a, our best lookalike, or if open works best in the account, we'll use open ad sets with full exclusions. Um, like I said, conversion optimized, one ad per ad set, and it's just the variation you're gonna be testing. So if you're testing 10 new creatives and you also wanna test two versions of each, then you're gonna have 20 ad sets, and then you're gonna put one ad per ad set and test it that way. I would usually run it for probably four to five days, depending on the level of spend that you're gonna have. Like we'll go as low as like 10 bucks a day on each of those ad sets. So I would do that if you have limited budgets, wanna test with like 500 bucks a day or less. And then if you do have higher budget and you're able to, to run evergreen campaigns and also test pretty thoroughly, what we do is we usually build depending on where we want our split of prospecting to retargeting to be, which I'll dive into on another slide here, we'll either test across the entire funnel, so we'll build what we call combined campaigns. So we'll have three top performing ad sets that are prospecting and then one ad set that's retargeting, usually like stacked, all website visitors, social engagement, et cetera. And then the other three are like our best interest, our best lookalike, and then an open ad set. Um, we'll use full retargeting exclusions across those three ad sets and then we'll test like five ads per ad set. And so usually it's like, Maybe we'll build a test campaign that's running the same creative, but testing five different angles for that creative. And we'll test the exact same ads in each of those ad sets. And then what we do is we build scale campaigns that mirror those, those uh, campaign builds. And we'll put the respective ads that worked best in each audience into our scale campaigns in those same audiences. So you take a campaign that has the same ads in every audience and end up putting it into a campaign that has the best ads from each audience from all of your test campaigns into your scale campaign. And we find it's really efficient to be able to test across the full funnel, because what a lot of people do is test only in like open ad sets and a lot of things will fail. But if you were to test it in retargeting or a lookalike, it might actually work pretty well. Okay, moving on. Uh, here we go, multi-brand funnels, third-party brands, dark posting, they're all kind of the same concept, the same thing, which is trying to leverage a third party endorsement, right? It's not you going around saying, hey, try my product, it's the best product on the planet because that's biased, right? Whereas someone else tells you, that's interesting. Someone else tells you, that's interesting. Someone else, now you got a trend. Ooh, it's, it's buzz, it's social. People are talking about this. We know that's what drives social media. And so to actually lean into that psychology is the strategy. It's also a way for 
us to address this conversation of brand versus performance because just move it into the third-party brand. Move the performance content into the third-party brand. So you can run off-brand content if you're not doing it through the social handle of the brand. Right? So what does it look like? It's a couple, couple third-party brands here. Gift ideas. So it's basically a brand that's all about gift ideas, right? And the, the, the Facebook page is populated by gift ideas that aren't the brand as well. And uh, there's, there's actual organic engagement because there's so much volume going in there. It's got actually a ton of reviews and comments and likes on the page and people are checking in and, and reviewing it. And it's like, what the heck? But what it allows us to do is to now promote really native feeling brand content, right? So that's the concept. There's a lot of strategies within that, which, which we're gonna get into at, actually later. So right now, just to give you some data, about 30% of our agency spend goes through third-party brands for our clients, and some clients are as high as 60% of their spend is going through third-party brands, just because that's the way the data and the performance is, is swayed. So just ask yourself how much of your spend currently is going through a third-party brand. Probably want to be, you know, if you're doing it right, you should be getting up, up you know, 30%, and, and if it really works for you, you know, you could be, could potentially open up a lot more opportunity. Yeah, and I think just to be clear that 30% kind of engulfs like dark posting, whitelisting plus third-party brands. So just running through third-party handles basically on platform. Okay, so what is dark posting compared to third-party brand? It's essentially the same thing. Uh, dark posting, whitelisting, many of you probably know, I'll just, just say it again just in case. So when an, uh, an influencer, content creator, whatever, posts something to their organic feed, that's considered whitelisting, right? Because their, their following can now can see that content. Whereas the reason it's dark posting is because it's not on their feed, it's just run as an ad. Their following doesn't see it. So all you're doing is leveraging their profile and their likeness. So that if someone does click their profile, they can see, oh, this, this person's like me, or this person's asked, this is my aspiration to be like this person. Therefore, I take their, uh, their opinion a little bit uh, more seriously. Okay, we're into losing trends. This is something I'm very passionate about. Top of funnel content prospecting needs to be about getting out there and being a marketer, right? Persuading people to take action. This room's full of marketers. We get it, but we build teams and we create cultures within those teams that there needs to be alignment to that mission when it comes to prospecting. And what unfortunately happens with this conversation around brand is we start training teams to think differently, right? So instead of saying, they wake up every day saying, what can I do to just sell the shit out of this product? Which is what I love, that's what I do. That's what our team does. But I see this when we get clients who are essentially retraining that thought process to follow process. What can I do to get my creative approved by the brand team? And if, if that becomes their objective, you've lost the game, right? Where, where's performance gonna come from? Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.